Let's go in-depth on Hawkeye Sports with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Hawk Central, powered by G Miggs Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Off and running with Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO, 5.30 to 6.20, our time slot for uh, the, until we hit to Cardinal Baseball tonight here on KXNO. And Chad, you've set up another fun one with us, man. How are you today? I'm doing great. No Mark Emmert again. I, he's AWOL. Don't know where he is. I texted him last night. Nothing. Enjoying Nothing. life. Enjoying guess, life somewhere. I guess he's... Yeah. <laughs> I bugged him last week on vacation. I think he just wants to get out of the me to get out of his hair or something. I, you so. know, I wonder if uh, if our coaches kind of feel that way, like this is kind of their vacation time and here we are <laughs> getting in their hair. Really, they're past vacation time. Kelton Copeland is uh, the coach we get to chat with tonight. Coach, how you doing, sir? Doing great. How, how are you guys doing? We're doing really well. You know, we have a, one of our buddies is on vacation. You know Mark Emmert also. When you're when you're relaxing, what what would you be doing if you had a, a week off from uh, from work? Um Whatever my girls tell me to do. I have three daughters, so <laughs> I think you guys know how that is. Yeah. With, with four women, they kind of run the roost, so whatever they tell me to do and not do, that's usually what I'm doing. All right. Let, let's, get down, let's get down to business, Coach. Yeah, yeah, let's start with kind of big picture. You're in your second year here as Iowa's wide receivers coach after being an assistant at Northern Illinois for about four years. Now Iowa's season opener is against that Northern Illinois team. How much familiarity do you still have with that program? How much are you able to help on a daily basis? Uh, a lot a lot of familiarity. I mean, a lot of those guys that I recruited and coached when I was there, you know, they turn on the tape. And, uh, there's a lot of familiar faces and names on those jerseys that, um, that I had, you know, really good relationships with. And not only that, I had good relationships with, uh, with a lot of the coaches that are still on staff. And some of those guys – when you work at a place for four years and you see those guys coaching-wise more than you see your own family, especially mm-hmm. during the season. So I developed some really good relationships with those guys. Some of those guys on that staff to this day are some of my best friends. So uh, a lot of familiarity, familiarity with uh, what they do and how they do things. and They're a really good program. Had a lot of good times there and won a lot of good games. So they're definitely to be respected. So have you, uh, obviously, in practice back in Northern Illinois, you would have been going against that defense. Are the are the coaches the same on defense? And is there anything, any little uh, hints you can give to Brian Ferentz of, of what you might be able to exploit? Uh, uh, well, that's one thing. If there's any change with that staff, it's been mostly on defense. Uh, the defensive coordinator uh, that was there when I left, he just took a job not too long ago. So he is, he is no longer there. Mm. Um, and then D line coach left as well. So, Bummer. If, if there's a uh, if there's any big change, I would say with that staff, it'd be on defense. But with all that being said, you know, like I said, they're a program that's done things right for a long time, won a lot of games. So I can't see them changing a whole lot. Um, they're really good on defense, especially last year. So I could see them doing a lot of similar things that they've done in the past. And uh, going off the tape from last year, they had a lot of success. So we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, I can uh, bring bring things to the table and help help our program out. But at the end of the day, it's about um, you know that first game is going to be about the most physical team uh, playing the execute best. That's what it's going to come down to. So, when we had Brian on with us a little over a month ago, we were asking him a lot of questions just about the the offense in general and groups of uh, of players, and he told us that the wide receivers are the most underrated group. Uh, on the team, I think is what he actually yep. said. Not even just the offense. Do you agree with that? I mean, those are those are kind words, Brian. That, that um, you know that that excites me, and it also puts pressure on me at the same time. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. Um, no, on, on a serious note, though, 
You know, I would say there's a lot of uh, position groups that are underrated on our team. A lot of, a lot of, you know, young men that get overlooked that don't have the big names yet. Um, you know, maybe just because of youth or haven't had a chance to really display their talents. But as a group, you know, we, I would say for for a lot of reasons, yeah, we haven't proven ourselves as a position group yet with this group of men. So you know, that's, that's fair to say that we're probably the most underrated now. Doesn't mean anything until we go out and execute and uh, and actually produce. So you know, saying that and then actually going out and proving that are two different things in my mind. All right, so Hawkeye fans have kind of wondered these last couple of years. I mean, we've seen this. This is not a, a recent problem. The the production from wide receivers down the field has just not been there uh, in that offense. And a lot of fans have wondered: is that is that a separation issue? Is it a route issue? Is it an overall offensive scheme issue? Where do you kind of attribute that as you've moved into this position and, and you've tried to get more out of this? Where do you see the the biggest problem these last few years? Well, I can only speak from my experience. Obviously, I, this is my first, uh, first time going through a full season at Iowa in the Big Ten. But just going off of what I saw you know, week in and week out playing in, that, in this conference, I mean, the Big Ten, it's for real. You're playing against some of the best defenses, especially in the secondary, you know, in the nation every day, uh, week in and week out. So, you know, until we as a program, and especially uh, us as a position group, we raise our standards, you know, shooting to development to actually, like what I just talked about, production, until we raise all of that, you know, there's going to be a lapse in – in our production as a position group. So that's my job. The way I see it, that's why I was hired. Um, and we're, we're doing the best job we can to raise those standards and get that execution done. But until then, you're going to, you're going to continue to see that lapse. Sure. One of the stats I'd written down, coaches, he had 27 touchdown passes last year. Um, eight of them were by the wide receivers. Is that is there a friendly competition to maybe up those numbers or anything this year? Um uh, to get that receiver group into the end zone a little bit more? Well, you know, it's funny. We hadn't even discussed that yet. You know, things are just now getting to where we got our, our freshmen come in, you know, this, this week. And uh, I have had a chance to sit down with all these guys and, you know, go over our goals or anything like that. That's in the near future. But I would imagine, um, knowing the guys in our room, there's definitely some friendly competition on you know, who's going to have this and who's going to have that. But at the end of the day, you know, just my gut, how, how I was how I was brought up in this profession, you know, it's not necessarily about who has the most touchdowns or who has the best stats. The only stat that matters is the win-loss column. And all as long as we're contributing to the Hawkeyes winning football games, whether that's catching touchdowns or blocking safeties downfield, then I'm happy contributing. And I'm happy. If we're not contributing, then that's when I get unhappy. So, you know, I don't really get caught up in all the, you know, all the accolades and all the stats. And yeah, it's great to say, you know, we had more touchdowns and this, that, and the other. But at the end of the day, it's about those wins and losses. It really is. Can we go through some of the guys individually? I know you said you haven't had a chance necessarily to sit down with them, but could we kind of pick your brain on what your expectations are for a few of these guys? That'd be all right. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. It's like Nick Easley. He had uh, surprised a lot of people last year. Unless you were uh, a person that saw him play at Newton, because some of those guys were like we knew it the whole time. Uh, <laughs> but but Nick Easley kind of surprised some of us Hawkeye fans. Fifty-one catches last year. What what's the expectation or role for Nick Easley this year? You know, a lot of people would say that they're surprised by Nick, and you know he's he's nothing like fancy to look at. You see him on the street, like really, you're the lead receiver for Iowa. He would tell you that too. So it's not like I'm. I'm knocking him by any means, but um, Nick's biggest attribute is he's such a hard worker and he's such a perfection. You know, he's good at everything and not great at anything, which, you know, once again, not a knock on him, but he just works so hard to be good in his total game. You know, he's improved so much on route running, his overall football IQ, catching the ball, run after catch, all those things that make a receiver a total player. He is completely improved his game so you know moving forward it's the biggest challenge for Nick in my mind you know him and I have a weekly conversation about this is you know pushing our group forward as a leader you know um you know as great as a player as Nick's been for us you know now it's time for him to step up even more because he he is a senior he's the guy in the room and uh you know my style of coaching we're only going to be as good as we work to be and it's have to be, you know, it's one thing coming from my voice, but it's a whole other meaning when it's coming from their peers. And when it's coming from their leader, somebody their own age is going through what they're going through on a daily basis. So that's what we talk about on a daily basis, uh, you know, is moving the group forward, holding the standard and raising the standard and holding those guys accountable to that standard. So, and he's doing a great job. He's already, he's already on the right track with these guys this summer, and, and I've already seen improvement in that area. So I'm looking for big things from him. Brandon Smith, he's a guy we've talked about on this radio show for more than a year now, just a, just a neat recruiting story and, and uh, an interesting uh, large body for you on that receiving core. You've listed him as a first-teamer, at least for now. Uh, I actually talked to Nate Stanley yesterday. The one guy he mentioned that, that really opened his eyes this spring uh-huh. was Brandon Smith. Coach, uh, how confident are you that Brandon's ready to deliver this fall? I'm really confident. You know what? He, um, if I had to name one person that you know had the biggest improvement this spring, this past spring, is definitely Brandon Smith, hands down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, wow. you see him, you see him physically, like you just said. He's got the attributes physically. There's no doubt. I mean, he's legit six three. He's got the big hands, runs well, and catches the ball well. You know, it's just it takes time. It's just mm-hmm. it's not the it's not the easiest thing to do coming from. You know, a year ago, just playing high school football on Friday Night Lights, and then we're asking him to go in Kinnick and perform at a high level week in and week out. That's that's not easy for anybody to do. So, you know, it's it's a process, and every every kid, every individual has their own has their own way of, of going through the process. But I tell you what, his improvement this spring was remarkable, and it's an attribute to him. I challenged him. We challenged him as a staff and as a program. You know, at the start of spring ball, like. This is this is your time. You know, the opportunity is here for you. You're either gonna step up to the challenge or you won't. And, you know, through spring ball, every day he showed something. And he improved on something every single day, every opportunity. And he had a really good spring. He had a really productive spring. I believe he uh, he was leading most of the spring in in explosives for our for our room. Hmm. And I think actually Amir Smith Marset actually ended up tying him. By the end wow. of spring ball, so so he, he's definitely showing the right uh, right attributes. We just 
You just got to keep working. Is, is he has he arrived? Absolutely. Right. We have more work to do. Absolutely. But am I encouraged? Yes, I am. No doubt about it. Most important question we'll ask today: Has Amir Smith Marset put down the cell phone? <laughs> well, I don't put it like this. Every time I see him in the building, I don't see him with his head down. There you go. Um, and his thumbs tightened. So I think I think we're moving in the right direction. <laughs> uh, on a serious note, with him, I mean, uh, I think you've said, Lavar Woods has said, with special teams. He does things you can't coach. Um, what do you see his role being this year? And do you? I mean, are you good with Lavar stealing him as possibly the, the kick and punt returner for this team? Absolutely. I mean, like I said, it's all about it's all about wins and losses. It's all about what's best for the Hawkeyes. And, I mean, Coach Woods is exactly right. He, in my opinion, you know, working with returners and coordinating special teams in the past. My humble opinion, you know, when it comes to returners. Some guys just have a gift. Some guys are good at it, and some guys are great at it. And I'm not labeling Amir as a great return yet, but he has something. He has that something that gives you a spark that's different than other returners. So, absolutely. I mean, wherever, whenever our guys can help on teams and any other any facet of the of the game for our team, I'm all about it. Amir is one of those guys that he can he can definitely do some things for us returning ball. All right, what are Hawkeye fans going to get in Kyle Gronewig? What, what kind of receiver is he? You know, I, I'm really picking him as a dark horse. I really am. I mean, obviously a lot of people probably don't know about him. He hasn't played uh, for the Hawkeyes yet. He, was, he had to register last year because of the transfer rule. But Kyle is a young man that um, very similar to Nick as far as his um, as far as his mental approach, I would say, but a, a totally different type player. Kyle's a uh, you know very quick twitch, uh, very fluid, uh, explosive with the ball in his hands, very creative. I would say in route running, so he's definitely going to bring a facet to our room that just we, we didn't have before. So we'll we'll see. You know, I can't I can't pinpoint an actual position that he's actually going to play, or you know how much playing time he's going to get. Obviously, we have a lot of a lot of football, a lot of preparation before we step out on the field. But um, I'm really looking forward to what he brings to our room and uh, what people don't see with Kyle. Uh, we call it KG. What KG brings is he brings, you know, a different type of leadership as well. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's an older guy, and he doesn't feel like it because he's only been in our program a year now. But obviously he, he was at another school before, and he's a, he's a fifth-year senior. So he's an older guy that, you know, has maturity. And he brings some leadership qualities to the room as well, so I'm excited about it. Yeah, actually, I, I find it kind of interesting that you're a second-year coach and most of these guys we're talking about are also in their second year in the program, so that's kind of no interesting. Easily, Smith, Smith-Marset, even Gronawig. And now another guy I want to ask about, Max yeah, Cooper, had, was probably the star of the spring game, to be honest. Um, no and Kirk Ferentz almost almost called it a flash in the pan not not that he didn't use those words but just that he hadn't seen that all spring is he where is he at in his development do you think um and did that kind of energize in that spring game performance no doubt you know uh piggybacking off of what coach france had said you know max didn't have you know a very outstanding spring and he didn't have a very negative spring max was just kind of steady eddy mm-hmm. so to speak through the whole spring and then all of a sudden you get to the spring game and then Wow, who's, where's this guy come from? So that that was intriguing and, and uh, encouraging at the same time that you know when the bright lights, so to speak, were on and 
it's the big stage now for spring ball. That's as big as you're going to get is the game with, uh, you know, fans and parents in the stands. He showed up and he made some big plays for us. So that's encouraging. The big thing with Max is just pushing forward. Um, you know, Max is very ahead of the game mentally. You know, he understands the game. He has a good football IQ. The thing with Max is we got to keep pushing physically. We got to catch up his, uh, his physical body with his mental body. Mm-hmm so to speak. And, uh, you know, as long as he keeps working with Coach Doyle and strength staff in the weight room, that's going to come. There's no question about it. But you just got to commit to it. The biggest thing is that you have to commit to it and, and be willing to put in the work. And, and I think he's on the right track. Coach, I, I love your perspective, the fact that you're the first year into, or now starting your second year into this, you know, 20-year era of the Ferentz regime. So I, I kind of want to lean on a little bit of that outsider experience here because we've talked about Amir Smith-Marset, just mentioned Max Cooper. That Last year seemed like one of the first times we saw true freshmen being able to make an impact and get on the field and really kind of crack significant playing time. And I don't even say Cooper got significant playing time, but Smith-Marset certainly did. Yeah. And significant looks, I mean, game-winning opportunities. Yeah, right, right. What is it about this Iowa system that makes it so difficult for a, a, an 18-year-old a true freshman to, to kind receiver, of crack in. Yeah. yeah, receiver specifically. Well, it's interesting you ask that. You know, like I, like I mentioned before, I don't think it's easy anywhere. Um, at any system, you know, I've, I've been blessed to be in a couple of different systems out at the collegiate level and at a D1 level, and it's not easy just from a physical standpoint. You're, you're talking about a young man that was playing uh, high school Friday Night Lights a year ago, and now he's playing against grown men at a very high, high level at Division One, and now talking to Big Ten, you're talking the best players in the country for their age, and they're grown men. And the freshman, he's an 18, maybe a 19-year-old kid still, and we're asking him to go out and perform against these grown men. So that that in itself is tough. Anywhere, anywhere. I don't care where you're at. Um, talking from you know our point of view, from my offensive philosophy and, and our and our playbook, you know we're we're pro style offense. Everybody knows that and understands that. But what people don't realize is is what you see those guys doing on Sunday. You know, from a preparation, from a playbook, from a play calling standpoint, um, and an execution standpoint, what you see those guys doing on Sundays in the NFL, we're asking our guys to do on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So just that in itself, mentally. That's a that's a huge hurdle, and especially now, you know. No offense to other style of offenses, but you know it's it's a different day and age, especially in high school football. Now, I mean, how many times you go to a high school football game now and you see a quarterback take the snap from under center? Right. Very very rarely, very rarely. So that in itself tells you that it's a different game, and um, just the style of offenses and the style of play, the philosophies you know, go down a list, it's just a different total game. So taking that kid that has been taught that philosophy and that style of play and then asking him to come in, in our program, in our system, and totally, basically totally flip his understanding of what football really is and asking him to do that, and you know, from June when he shows up on campus to when we put on the pads and, uh, you know, playing Kenny for the first time in September, I mean, that's that's asking a lot. So on that on that note, uh, you've got two freshmen coming in. Uh, one one in particular that's, that's had a lot of intrigue, Tyrone Tracy. Um, 
big playmaker out of Indianapolis. So then you've also got a guy from Florida, Calvin Lockett. What can you tell us about those guys and, and what you need from them? Tyrone, Tyrone's very dynamic. You know, uh, probably the easiest way to explain Tyrone, you know, I went to watch him play uh, in high school his senior year last season. And <laughs> his first three touches, actually the first play of the game, all right, was a kickoff. It kicked off to him. He returned it uh, probably 70 yards. And then wow. next series, um, first play from scrimmage, he's at running back. He takes it 50 yards. <laughs> and then um, a couple plays, a couple series later, he gets the third touch of the game, and it's at receiver. And he takes it probably another 60 yards for a touchdown. So just that in itself, the right thing, I was like, okay, this guy is a complete dynamic football player. And, you know, he's just electric with the ball in his hand. Um, you know, for a high school level kid, probably one of the more complete players that I've seen in person that I've had, you know, a chance to witness in person. So obviously, like we talk about the transition from high school to, uh, to college is a transition in itself. But, you know, a guy that has the tools and the attributes to be, you know, highly dynamic and, and very dangerous offensive player. He's definitely got that, so I'm excited about him. Um, and then Calvin, you know, Calvin's an af- athletic person in his own right. I went and watched Calvin uh, go play in a basketball game um, his senior year, and kind of the same way that uh, Tyrone was on the football field. You see that from Calvin, just from an athletic standpoint. I mean, he's dunking the ball with two hands with ease and I mean, alley oops and just making it look very easy. And that's what you want to see when you watch and uh, you evaluate a football player playing another sport is how does he move and how does he react to competition. And I just remember uh, it was a tight game that I uh, happened to witness that night. And it was a tight game coming down the stretch. And Calvin, uh, not to say that he took over the game, but the clutch situation, he made some serious plays that helped his team win. And that's when I got really excited about him. Like, okay. This guy's not only a good athlete, but he's a competitor. You can just tell he embraces competition and adversity, and, uh, and he succeeded. So that's what you want to see. Yeah. So I'm excited about both of those guys. Coach, thanks so much for giving us time. This we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you soon. That's Coach Kelton Copeland, the uh, Hawkeyes wide receivers coach. When we get back, Chad and I will wrap up our 5 o'clock hour. Again, we're on until 6.20 tonight. It's Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Wrapping up the 5 o'clock hour here on Hawk Central on 1460 KXNO. Again, we're on until 620 Cardinals baseball tonight. Chad Lysico and I hanging out. Just finished up a fun interview with wide receivers coach Kelton Copeland. That's a, that's an interesting guy. We didn't even get to the fact that he's probably the strong. I don't want to say the strongest guy in that coaching staff. He's got to be the strongest guy in the receiver room. <laughs> yeah, certainly with that. <laughs> Big dude. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah, fun interview. I was surprised, Chad, when we started to ask him about individual receivers. Um, I thought maybe we were going to start getting the, uh, oh, uh, Max, yeah, he's a good receiver, good kid. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we weren't getting these short answers. He was actually giving us good stuff about each one of those guys. That was that was fun. and. Yeah, Brandon Smith again continues to get um, a lot of love behind the scenes. Um, well, we have to see him do it, I think. Um, but certainly, there's intrigue there, and 
And interesting that he and Amir Smith-Marset ended up tied in explosive plays for the spring in practice. Well, so. once you get Amir Smith-Marset to put the phone down and yeah, focus. Maybe that's what he did. I think that's what he, <laughs> maybe that's why he came on strong. <laughs> <laughs> that's eventually what we got around to on that. I'm really glad you got to the, uh, the, the freshman also at the very end of that. Interesting stuff about why he thinks it's tougher for freshmen to break into that Hawkeye system. Uh, one thing he didn't mention during that was run blocking is a mm-hmm. big part of being a Hawkeye receiver. That's true. But I think that in kind of, it, he was more all encompassing when he talked about the style, the, the, the pro style of play that happens with the Hawkeyes and how I feel like that's a part of it, right? Run blocking is a huge part of the NFL game for a wide receiver. Absolutely, yeah. And maybe that's just what he, he, being a coach and thinking on a macro level, maybe that was one of the things he was including in that. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Iowa definitely plays a system that high schools are drifting away from, but it's certainly a system that uh, makes you a, a better football player, mm. a com- more complete football player, but it takes time. So it makes sense, uh, but uh, I think it sounded like to me Tyrone Tracy is That's what I was gonna ask ready to uh, – uh, they have plans for him to hit the field this year is what I heard. Um, electric huh. playmaker. Why I- not? It feels like something's changed the last couple of years, Chad, whether that is uh, a, a, a dynamic change in the in the philosophy of Coach Ference or the talent of these guys that are actually showing up and their ability to make that transition that Coach Copeland just talked about. But true freshmen are getting more of a shot on this team. And this is a kid, Tyrone Tracy, that you think is in that that talented group of guys that could and should be on the field this first year. I think he's going to get every shot. Wow. I, mean, I think they want to get ball, get the ball into um, exciting players' hands, and we saw that with Smith Marset last year. Not going to hype up Tracy too much yet, but um, I'm curious to see what he does. I think he's definitely a guy to watch uh, this August. Well, let's talk about some kickoff times. Uh, I know we got a few basketball notes we want to get to, and there's a lot more football stuff because you had some uh, uh, mm-hmm. availabilities throughout the week here. So we'll get to a lot of that here before we get to Cardinals baseball in the 6 o'clock hour. But what would you think about kickoff times? We know right now we're – you just pointed this out to me. Hour and a half difference between 1, 2, and 3, uh, weeks 1, 2, and 3. You start at uh, – with a 2.30 kick. I guess Northern Illinois, yep. Iowa State is 4 o'clock. Yep. And then it's 5.30? 6.30. So, okay. So two and a half I guess hours. two and a half. Okay. My math is off. But, That's all right. Uh, yeah, what do you think? I mean, I, we were just talking off air – I deadline stuff aside, which none of you care about. Right, four o'clock I think is a great kickoff time for that Iowa State game. You're going to finish under the lights, just barely. Sunsets about seven twenty something in Iowa City that night. Um, so you you know there's going to be some kind of game finish under the lights. I don't know. I just think uh, that that game is going to have a lot of electricity this year, especially you know Matt Campbell this week made a comment about their program being at the same level as Iowa's to that. Nature. I mean, I, I think well, it wasn't a rivalry till he showed up. That's what he said. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though Iowa State had won three of the last five, but <laughs> anyway, disregard. Yeah, right, right. So that, I'm with you. I love the four o'clock kick. The only one, two thirty kicks are awesome all the time. They're the best. They, I completely agree. So I won't knock that at all. I did use when I was a season ticket holder, Chad. I did like those eleven o'clock kicks in that opening week. I don't know why, because really? it, it felt like you could still get home and enjoy some of your Saturday night. You could still do something. You know, you were home by maybe 7 or, or 8 o'clock at night, depending on how quickly you got out of 
the Thinkbine commuter parking lot. <laughs> but, I think most fans here in Central Iowa would say two thirty. I know they do. Yeah, two thirty yeah, because you can get you can leave the day of the game. You can get back home. Yeah, you can you still know, get home. Ten o'clock. Right, exactly. You still got a little bit of that Saturday night yeah. available. You're sleeping in your own bed at a reasonable hour. Exactly. That's for sure. But the four o'clock, I'm ecstatic about. For personal reasons, we're probably going to do a pregame and postgame sound off mm. for that day, and that'll be a lot of fun. I'm I re- like the U and I night game. I think that's six thirty. That brings that game a little more electricity as well. I think. I need I, mean, I need you to prognosticate for me though. What do you think about Wisconsin that next week, mm-hmm. week four? I'm really thinking that could be another night game. Chad, is there is that a possibility that we go back to back night games at at Kinnick? Well, it's a, it'll be a twelve day window, so it'll be one where we know the Iowa State result before they decide that. And so if Iowa gets through those first two games, I think it's. You know the networks will safely assume they're going to be three and zero going into that game, and Wisconsin should be a top five preseason team or top six, top seven, um, with all the hype they're getting. And given what's happened at Kinnick against top five teams, I mean, I think the networks would be crazy not to to uh, give that game a night game look. That would be pretty. Co- that'd be quite the start to the season. Yeah, and that's a quite a Big Ten opener, which a lot of the players I talked to um, yesterday were already thinking about a little bit. Eww. Not looking ahead, but just good, that good. that's the standard. They, very, they, they very, know, they're aware that that game is first in the Big Ten. Very important not to look ahead. When we get back, Chad's going to tell us about uh, some of those sit-downs he had. He had some availability with some Hawkeye players. We'll react a little bit more to the Kelton Copeland interview and a little bit of hoops news coming up to wrap up Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. Everything you need to know about the Hawkeyes, it's Hawk Central with the Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. Final segment of Hawk Central here on 1460 KXNO. uh, We'll be on for another 17 minutes or so here, leading you up to Cardinals baseball. Chad Leistico, you had just told me during the break here, man, you had a chance uh, to do like a, a season preview for USA Today, and they wanted something specific out of this. Well, uh, yeah, one of the guys we talked to yesterday, Noah Fant, um, and actually I took some extra time with him because that's, um, I, like you said, uh, USA Today's season preview edition, they asked, reached out to me to, to do a story on Noah Fant. So I'll be working on that in the next week or two, something like that. What should we, what should we look into when we hear that? I mean, yeah, just the buzz that's happening I with think, him? Yeah, that tells you that there's national intrigue about this guy. I mean, here's a guy that's showing up, um, you know, Number 12 overall in Todd McShay's mock draft for 2019. Uh, just going to be a true junior, by the way. Um, so he's now, getting I a lot of I, draft I was buzz. saying I didn't think it was crazy to think that Noah Fant leaves next year. Todd McShay says 12th overall pick? Yeah, in the way too early draft. Okay, no. all right. Now, but here's did, a, here, we did just get this news that he has like what? He leaped out of the building. He has like a 93-inch vertical or something, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. He broke the tight end record uh, 42.1 inches. For vertical down jump, which you just don't even hear about from any position, let alone a tight end. Uh, So if he can, and he says he wants to, you know, uh, improve upon that. Um, Now the one, the one performance record he doesn't have at Iowa for tight ends, he has three of the four, uh, is the forty yard dash. But they don't run the forty yard dash till they get to pro day. So that's where he'll have a chance to make it uh, if he does compete in pro day next year, which means. Uh, which, if he does compete in pro day next year, that means he's already he's, decided yeah, to go. He's so, gone. Huh. Uh, but it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, there's, NFL draft stuff with him is going to be very premature at this point. But Got to have uh, a good year. Got to be injury-free. A yep. lot, lot of things here. All right? those things. But I will say, 
just physically looking at the guy, this being our third year covering him, dude, he he looks like an NFL player. I mean, he he just looks like a guy you'd want to draft. I mean, physically, athletically, we saw what he did last year on the field, 11 touchdown catches, most in the Big Ten. Um, I, I think that this guy, you know, especially the way the NFL is going with, you know, lining up tight ends out wide. Yeah. Fant did a lot He's of that perfect, last year. Right, right. Absolutely prototypical in every way. He's got good hands. Um, anyway, looking forward to writing that piece. Got got some more work to do on it yet, but um, look for that maybe in the next two or three weeks. Hawkeye fans are obviously excited about uh, Noah Fant this year. The other guy that on the defensive end we were all waiting to see get taken off the leash last year and just allow him to to, to go crazy. What should we expect from AJ Epinesa this year? Is there is there buzz starting with AJ Epinesa? Well, yeah, and he's another one of those guys, Ross, that's um, kind of the, that athletically gifted guy that Iowa doesn't usually get, uh, much like Noah Fant. And um, now I've actually seen him on a preseason All Big Ten team. One of the Athlon teams had I'm him surprised. had him listed, and, and this is a guy that you know played pretty sparingly last year. Yeah. Ten snaps, some games. You know, he built that up to about thirty. But I'm just I'm really interested to see what AJ can do um, out at defensive end after a full year in the Chris Doyle strength program. We really haven't seen, you know, really haven't seen, we still haven't interviewed him since he's been on campus. He's still a true freshman technically. So, uh, although now I think they started summer school. So I think now they should (laughs) unleash him finally. Uh, I think this he's considered a sophomore now. So anyway, he he and Tristan Wirfs, I think are going to be fascinating. Great one. Yeah. Fascinating. True sophomores to watch this year. Just, uh, physical specimens. Um, that uh, could be real difference makers that the Hawkeyes need. And you you were telling me that there's also kind of another chip on the shoulder sort of thing happening with this team. I mean, you've got some really fired up kids there that are working with Coach Doyle, who's, a, as we know from last week, a very fired up dude also. Right. Um, what, what else What else was it that was bothering these guys from the last couple of years? Yeah, I was talking to uh, a lot of the veteran players they brought yesterday for the most part. Um, Parker Hesse, Keegan Render, and Nate Stanley. I talked to all three of them um, for quite a long time. And um, they were, uh, we were talking about eight, the eight and five season last year, you know, what they thought of it. Um, Keegan Render was great about it. He's like, that, you know, to us, that's average. So what? Big deal. Um, he said, it's, eh, not terrible. That's the other word he used to describe it. Uh, I think uh, eight and five left a bad taste in their mouth. I think they look back at that season, think about the Penn State game, think about the overtime game against Northwestern where Fant drops a wide-open pass, and he talked about that at length with me the other day. Um, you know, Think about you lose to a, by one touchdown at Michigan State in a, in a pretty lousy performance overall, and you still only lost by seven points, and that's a team that won 10 games. Um, Northwestern won 10 games. Penn State won 11 games. Um, so those... Nate Stanley said we we thought we should have had three more wins last year. Um, so uh, you want to hear that for motivation. Obviously, this is we don't know at all how this season is going to play out. Um, I think we like the schedule how it plays out for Iowa, uh, but that first month of the season is going to really be a challenge. Yeah. Um, so we'll know a lot pretty early with this Hawkeye team. Uh, okay. So what do you think with this schedule? I mean, when you look at this schedule. Chad, we did this earlier on Fanatics, and I was even trying to – I think I was even in a pretty pessimistic mood that day. <laughs> and I still look at that schedule and come away with this. If if you have another eight and five year, 
I think that I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the reaction is going to be, but it will be another uh, meh. So what? So what? Yep. Not terrible. Not will be terrible. the reaction again, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, I think. Uh, I mean, heads aren't rolling at eight and five. No, I mean eight and five. You're probably counting either a bowl win or a bowl loss there, but that's big deal, right? Right. I mean, the, these bowl games don't really mean that much now that the bowl streak's over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? um, now, I think when you look at that September um, lineup. I think splitting those, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Iowa split those first two games, Northern Illinois and Iowa State, um, right out of the gate. Iowa's usually not sharp in September. They I thought you were going to say split those first four. I, I thought that's what well, you were going to say. Yeah, I mean, that's not out of the question. Right. And that's all at home. And then, and then after that, you go on the road four out of five. So it's not, uh, necessarily as simple as it looks. Now, there's a lot of winnable games on the schedule. Um, but they don't draw, Ohio State, don't draw Penn State, don't draw Michigan State. Uh, I'm sorry, they do draw Penn State, not Michigan. That's what I meant. They always draw Penn State. But uh, um, I don't know. I think uh, – what do you think? What do you think about the – when you look at this, Northern Illinois. Here, let's go have, through it. Have, Northern have, Illinois. Okay, so the win. one thing that we did for on is – and I I do think that you win both of those first two games. Right? Yeah. They beat the, beat the Cyclones two at home. And then uh, beat you and I, start 3-0. and I think you lose to Wisconsin, you're 3-1. and Okay. Well, then you're probably not winning the Big Ten West already. Probably not. Because then you're that's a two-game swing right there. Yep. <laughs> then the bye week, uh, rally the troops. At Minnesota, I still think they're going to be pretty down. At Indiana. I'm, I'm with you, and I've got win win and win there. At Indiana. Maryland at home. Yep, win, beat Maryland. Then you got them 6-1. and one. At Penn State, that's that'll a be tough toughy. One. But they're, they're going to have a chip on their shoulder for that game. Okay. For, for what happened two years ago. I'm not saying they're going to win it, but that'll be... That'll be circled. When they were reminded that they quit playing? That's right. Huh. That's right. I remember. Yeah. They, I bet <laughs> I, they do. I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of them do. <laughs> and then you got at Purdue. That's going to be an interesting team. Yeah, that's a, that's one of the question marks, I think. That's a tough one. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the home stretch there, Northwestern at home. I mean, Another question mark, tough game. You'd want to catch them earlier this year, I mm-hmm. think, with Thorson's injury. Um, he might be all healthy and slinging the ball around by then. At Illinois. Win that. Host, um, host Nebraska. You beat yeah. them. Host Nebraska. That's it. So you've got them. You got them going. What do I have? Two. Ten and two. <laughs> I think I, you have them ten and but, two. But again, I've got Purdue. I think is one of those yeah, is a question right. mark. I think Northwestern is a question mark. So even at that, I've got them at eight and four going to a bowl. And that would be if you lost, if you lose back to back to Northwestern at home and Purdue on the road, and you've dropped those games to, yeah. Uh, Penn State, at that point, Wisconsin, yeah. and if you lose to Iowa State in there, then yeah, that it's a that's a not terrible, but okay, meh season. Very meh in that case. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. So that, it'll be interesting. No signature win on that. Anyway, young team. I'm excited about to see what the offense does. I mean, just after talking to Kelton Copeland on this show and Brian Ferentz earlier this spring, I mean, that passing game's got to be better, right? I mean, it was decent last year, but. At least they've got more options. I th- and again, not to harp, harp back too much on it, but if you missed that Kelton Copeland interview, we did try. I we did ask him about. You're a guy that this is your second year. Last year was your first year with those wide receivers. What are we missing as Hawkeye fans? Is it separation? Why right. is it this passing game more effective? And it did feel. I mean, his answer did kind of lead me to believe that that's something that they're addressing. That they're they're trying to figure out exactly what it is within that system that has to get these guys more productivity. 
Uh, you mentioned a couple things here. I want to pick your brain on, though, okay? Because you've said to me in uh, in this segment that when you talk to the players, you got kind of a special feeling. I even saw your face kind of light up a little bit when you mentioned not only Penn State but Wisconsin. Yeah. So first, let's start with Wisconsin because that's the first one on the schedule. Yeah. What was what was going on with the Wisconsin chatter? Yeah, that's uh, that's a game that these guys are aware of already. They're not uh, not at all looking ahead to it, and they okay. wouldn't um, by any means. But they, they realize the importance of that one on the, the schedule. The importance of that that that's a that's one of the games that they. I mean, that was the game that they were embarrassed last year. And I mean, mm, that's good. Point. Fully embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, sixty six total yards um, in that ball game a week after. That was a week after the Ohio State game, yep. right? Yeah. So um, really crashed down to earth there. <laughs> Uh, longest it doesn't play the, even seem right. I know. <laughs> longest play of the game for Iowa was nine yards. Uh, yeah. The, so the, anyway, these guys, you know, said flat out. I mean, this, they're the benchmark. Uh, they're the stepping stone. I mean, if you're if you're going to go three and one in September, you want that to be one of the wins. I mean, I think because then you're then you've got a shot at the Big Ten West. Wisconsin's schedule is kind of tough. Um, they. They are at Michigan this year. They are at Penn State this year and at Iowa. So if you can hand Wisconsin a loss, you've got that tiebreaker, and you probably can maybe count on them losing one more at Penn State and at Michigan, maybe even two more. But you probably can count on losing one of those, right? Yeah. This is Chris has been laying out. This is why we we're both thinking that that's going to be a night game also. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a de facto early season big Right. Big Ten West title game. Yeah, I mean, it, it establishes the front runner of the Big Ten West yeah. right yeah, out that's, of the That's game. a better way to put it. Yeah. 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 So, um, so that if you can win that game, then you, I mean, in my mind, then you, okay. you can go seven and two in the Big Ten and probably win the West. So, Penn, big game. And Penn State, I think I understand the, the, the fire there also, just from two years ago, that mm-hmm. not only did that team get the fight, the, the, the Hawkeye team get the fight taken out of them, they were reminded in the post-game press conference, basically, that Penn State said, <laughs> yeah. man, those guys quit playing. Yeah, you reminded me of that. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, Saquon Barkley you know, said that. And uh, essentially, I mean, read yeah, between the right, lines. Right, and, right. But, uh, and, th- and so that'll be an interesting storyline as we get closer to that game. See where the Hawkeyes are at. I mean, that's Saturday, October twenty seventh. Uh, what is that? Game eight of the season. I mean, if in your scenario, the Hawkeyes are six and one going into Happy Valley. Maybe seven and zero. Okay. <laughs> Closer we get to the season, uh, you know, what fourteen and zero, fifteen and zero. What do we got to get to get that raise that title? Usual, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I saw Athlon put out uh, a, a ranking the other day of the. Big Ten football coaches, ranking them 1 through 14. Yep. Lovey Smith at the bottom of the list at uh, in 14th. I think that you can make a case for that, and they do. Tom Allen at 13 from Indiana. Rutgers' Chris Ash is 12. Maryland's DJ Durkin at 11. P.J. Fleck rowing the boat all the way to 10 in Minnesota. Number 9 is Jeff Brom, a guy that's got a lot of love lately out of Purdue. And at number eight, we find Iowa's Kirk Ferentz. Yeah, what do you think about that? Um, best coach in the Big Ten. Wait a minute. Where's Scott Frost? Well, he's he's walked on water all the way to number seven. He's listed ahead of now. I, okay, I can see Urban Meyer should be number one. Urban Meyer is number one. Uh, I I think D'Antonio is number two. That seems 
fantastic. He, he has earned that. James Franklin should be right there with him. Harbaugh at four, I kind of have a little bit of a problem with. I, Why do you say I, that? I, just, I think Jim Harbaugh is drastically overrated as a coach. Pat Fitzgerald at five, I would have put Fitzgerald ahead of uh, of Harbaugh. Would you Paul, put him ahead of Ference? Fitzgerald. Yeah, I would have. Yeah, yeah. Really? I think I think Fitzgerald, Christ, and Ference to me should all be in that same grouping, right behind those first three. I feel like that there's a separation there. Franklin, D'Antonio, and Meyer as your top group, and I do feel like that second group of coaches does include Harbaugh, but it definitely includes Coach Ference and not Scott Frost. Mm-hmm. See, I, the, I, another interesting one in there is Paul Christ. Because I think you, I think he's a fine coach, but he's at the bottom of that second tier. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's still uh, the Barry Alvarez yeah. program system. You I know, think you're me. right. I, you uh, could you could easily convince me that he goes into that third tier. Yeah. Of coaches, I think he's he done, obviously done yeah. a very good job. Right. Very good job. Uh, but obviously, there's a system there. So, you, where do you gauge that? I just I think you. I'm with you. I would put. I would knock Harbaugh down. No, I think he's. Got a really nice track record, you know, with Stanford, with the San Francisco 49ers. But in Michigan, really, I feel like he's kind of been, been meh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, not terrible. Not terrible. <laughs> That's a great I mean, way I think to say he's it. kind of underachieved there. Um, Agreed. And Iowa beat him head to head in their one, in their one meeting. And Scott Frost has done nothing. Like what? He has, I yeah. I love the way he put that. He walked on water all the way to yeah. seventh. Uh, this will be interesting to see, man. Um, I just don't see how you can put. That would be the one where I'd say, why are you putting Scott Frost ahead of Kirk Ferentz? But I get it. I get it. Yeah. Wait, I mean, we have a minute left here. It's horrible to even start this conversation right now. But Nebraska fans, when you're learning your lesson about expectations, like just slow down a little bit. And this is just, this is crazy. I don't think they're going to have a good year. They got a tough schedule ahead of them. They don't have a really good team returning. Uh, We'll see what happens. With Nebraska, but that, that that Athlon ranking, and again, as as you know, Chad, we do these things sometimes just to get people to react to exactly. it, and you've got to put them somewhere. So uh, I, I, they defend it in a way. Thanks yeah. so much for setting up a fun one, man. Yeah, you, you bet. Missed any of that? The podcast is available. Kelton Copeland with a really fun uh, conversation to start our show tonight. What we got next? Cardinal baseball coming up here on fourteen sixty KXNO.